Hey guys, welcome back to the Dayhan Podcast. This is part two of our conversation with Warren Sinclair on how to protect yourself better and how to really be situations where in those bad situations you always encounter. All right, with that said, let's get back into it. One other situation I want to talk about, because I, I grew up in Richmond and I didn't really think about public transportation safety and all that stuff. But then when I was going to school in New York and using public transportation, subway, the bus, especially at night when I would come back uh, from the bus, I would always never have my headphones in, um, just always peripheral vision, like you always talked about, like behind something against your back, waiting for the bus. You never know. So especially being in New York, do you have any advice on some of the things that you shouldn't do, especially those public transportation situations and some things that you must do to keep yourself away from harm or any dangerous situation? So um, the first, the, the whole, the first 10 commandments, evaluate the situation. See, I right, didn't even know the commandments. I'm just sticking to the ones based on what we're talking about. But anyhow, right. I would highly suggest not being on your phone in the normal way you would be on it when you're, when you're in a more supposed comfortable environment, like home. Mm-hmm. Right. I would not be on your phone like that. The not wearing headphones is a good strategy, but, a, but wearing headphones and not having them on is also a good strategy. So you're saying like have them on to portray the concept. In, have them right. in here, but not the audio not on. Gotcha, gotcha. Example of that, um, the same projects that I mentioned before. I was going through the back entrance. This is when that project was really bad. But now I imagine it might have got maybe not as bad as the 90s or early 2000s, but I imagine because of COVID and because of police don't they don't really know how to handle um the citizens in a way that wouldn't backfire on them. Mm-hmm. So they're very, they're very, it's probably less policing going on, which is a horrible scenario. But anyhow, I, I digress. So I had my headphones in, but I turned it off one, once I got towards the building. And, and as I was walking to go up the stairs to the back entrance, there were guys sitting out um, maybe 20 feet or so away from me, sitting on the gate, on these short gates that they could sit on. And the guy was like, yo, what's up now? One of the guys was saying that to me. I'm just walking to go into the staircase. And the guy's like, what's up now? And I got the head, I did this on purpose. I got the headphones, but I turned it off and I pretend like I didn't hear him. Right. right. And I kept, and I kept walking and, and he, he said it maybe once or twice more. And I kept walking, but checking my back, but not making it very obvious that yeah. I, I heard, yeah. heard them saying, heard the guy saying what he's saying. And then I heard, once I got closer to the door, I heard when a guy says, he can't hear you, man. He has fucking headphones. Yeah. Perfect. So that's why I, I I would never give uh advice that never do always do this or never right. do this yeah. because you gotta evaluate the situation and and yeah. use your critical thinking and this is what separates us from other animals mm-hmm. you know our critical faculties phones is one of the biggest things and uh not realizing that realizing in transitional spaces gas stations you mm-hmm. mentioned the subway the bus um these places you have to be quite aware. My mom told me, because I got my mother to train at the dojo that I trained mm. at in New York, uh, and she lost 80 pounds. Um, wow, congrats uh, to her. Me training her and, and her training at the dojo. And she told me one time, which I wouldn't recommend what she did, but she told me that she was in that bad neighborhood. And I think she said she was waiting for the bus or some, or coming off the bus to go home. Mm-hmm. And some guys were... Uh, saying something and pointing at her and maybe trying to follow her and she blurted out and she picked her phone up and pretend like she was talking to someone and said um yeah i just got my black belt you know uh mm. and something some some complete bolstering thing like that right so she was walking and she said the guys kind of looked and laughed and then kind of um left her alone i wouldn't suggest that scenario that she did but you know and the, and at the end of the day it supposedly worked so yeah you really have to have situation awareness when you're in transitional spaces, gas yes. stations, elevators. For example, I trained a client and she kind of asked me because she was white. I only mention her ethnicity because of the, the what she's going to say next. She was like, you know, I don't want to seem racist. Like if someone comes in and they're, if someone comes in an elevator and they're mi- minority, I don't want to seem like I'm racist. And, you know, by, thinking that they might be a threat. And I said, listen, if you have visual cues that something seems wrong, do what you think you got to do. Pretend like you forgot something, get out of the elevator. Make sure you don't turn your back towards someone, you know, look at their waist. 
you can look at the face. The face just shows you emotional data, emotional context. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the hands and the waist is what's going to show you more intention. Because mm. people have cues that they, they don't understand. Like we have cues that are nervous act movements that we don't, we don't, you know, poker players understand this and they could read it even subtle with even way more. They can't see the rest of the body, but they just use the face. But we do it subconsciously but, if we're nervous yeah, or a lot aggressive. Of language, a lot of language is also is physical. Yep. Yep. Um, that's why on the internet, if you're typing with people, you know, it's hard to understand context when someone's joking or, <laughs> yeah, or, or the intent or et cetera, because it's, it's text. It's not, there's not even this. I mean, we, at least with this, where we see each other, I can see the expressions. I can see you nodding your head. Like, yeah, yeah. I kind of understand what he's saying, you know, this kind of stuff. So um, I said to her, listen, if you feel a certain way, you know, do what you have to do. Attack first, uh, pull out your mace, pull out whatever, or, or leave the elevator. I'll give you a scenario. I, I was coming from a friend that was a chef and he made really good food and stuff. I gorged myself with the delicious food <laughs> that he made. And, and it was late. So I was coming into that, that same projects like at like 11 or 12 a.m., 11 p.m. Or, or closer to 12 a.m., I don't remember. Mm. So usually I don't use the elevator, as I mentioned. Right. Uh, but that moment I was feeling so lazy because of a, a fat pig there <laughs> eating all that food. Yep. Uh, it was delicious food and it was healthy food, but it was just too much. But anyhow. Yeah. Um, so I pressed the elevator and I actually went for the elevator because I was lazy. And there's a saying, laziness will cause you pain. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so, but I saw, I saw a girl in the hallway and another guy by the door. So I was like, oh, okay. And I got my back towards the wall. I've been waiting for the elevator. <clears throat> so the elevator finally comes and I enter into the elevator watching my back as I, I go in. But you also got to make this stuff not so obvious. You know, I just like turning, you know, but yeah, just, yeah. just kind of using your vision, just looking around, you know. One of the things I would do is, which is not very charming, but I would spit, I would look behind me and spit. So it looks like I'm just spitting, but I, I would. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, 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 but anyhow, so I go in and the door is closing. I'm like, great. Press my button and go to the, the, I press my button and go away from the buttons towards the other side of the elevator. And then I'm like, okay, door's closing. And then of course a hand comes in, stops the door. Guy comes in with his right hand behind his fucking back. Doesn't press any buttons puts his back towards the back of the elevator because I'm on the side of the elevator away from the buttons and doesn't look at me and has his hand behind his back. So now I'm like, oh, see, if I was on my phone or something like this, I would never see any of this. It would just suddenly happen. Yeah. You know, you've seen many of these videos. You see that the, the person's like eyeing the person, trying to play it off. You know, but but you could see them getting ready to do something. Right. But anyhow, I mean, it was pretty odd. He has his damn hand behind his back. So now I'm like, shit, I need to react. I need to go first, attack, maybe kick this guy low and then try to do something, pull out a knife and do what I got to do. Um, and then I said, Warren, you're taking too long. Like, this is all seconds, but I'm like, you're taking too long. Make a decision. Uh, and this is before the elevator doors closed. The, 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 there's one door that closes and then a second door that closes. So this is all before that happened. So then I looked at him, looked at his waist and his hands, and I stopped the elevator and then walked out and then looked behind me as I walked out, looked at the door, looked at the girl laughing. Uh, there's a girl in the corner laughing at this whole scenario, I guess. I'm not sure. And then I, I go and open the, the staircase door. And then I look at the elevator and the guy comes out of the elevator. And then I go up the, the stairs and pull out both my knives. And then walk up the stairs. Wow. And then, um, I don't know if it was the same guy. I don't even know if this was the same time. But I remember when I was already on the floor I was from using the stairs, a guy came bursting out of the elevator and tried to get close to me. And I had, I had, one, of my, I had one knife out and I had it in a reverse grip, which you can hide it if you put it in a reverse grip mm-hmm. behind your form. And then I stood with my other hand by my arm. Um, by my uh like this by my mm. face uh and just looking at him and he and he tried to get close to me i was like eh, what's the problem man? I'm, I'm i'm busy man have a good night and he and he was like oh did you did you see someone come up here or something i was like man i don't know what you're talking about man no sorry have a good night and then he tried to get close to me and i backed up 
and I got my 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 knife already out. See, I'm I'm in a state of readiness. I already prepared. Yeah. Whether he knows I have a knife in my in my hand or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm already. He's coming, being aggressive. I'm telling him, I can't help you. I'm yeah. not gonna go in my door. I'm not gonna turn my back and knock on the door or oh use the key to get in the door. No, I'm gonna keep addressing him till he leaves. Because if he doesn't leave, I'm going first. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I'm not with me saying all this, I'm not suggesting that people should carry knives or carry anything. I'm just saying, uh, these things are called force multipliers, knives, blunt objects, firearms. I will, I personally will have a force multiplier. I'm not telling you what to carry or what you should, whatever the force multiplier, because, uh, criminals do what they do and if they've done it before, why is it not going to work on you? You look like a sucker. Why is it not going to work on you? Absolutely. I've done it before. So, um, uh, so the, the best thing to say is just be aware and not saying be paranoid. I'm saying be aware of your surroundings and don't put yourself in harm's way. And your, our phones is one of the ways that we can be super distracted because it's so engaging. Right. We do so much on our phone. So, um, just put it away when you're making that walk away from at late night or daytime. Yeah. Even daytime. Put it away, you know, or um, avoid bumping into people. I've I've made people fall because they tried to bump into me mm. because I move at the last minute uh, and move while they're ch- tensing up. I made them fall. Mm. So avoid people bumping into you. Of uh, be respectful, be courteous. Um, yeah, all those like simple things. Which is a, is a, regardless of self defense is, is I think is a, a better ethical society. You know, compassionate and um. Just keep it moving. Don't allow people to take their rage, their hate, their disenfranchise, their um, criminal intent, and don't get caught out there because criminals will try to trap you. Absolutely. So, I, yeah, I think those are the simple things, right? Just not being on your phone, be situational aware. All those things, not promising it will get you out of all those situations, but it can definitely mitigate from the or just eliminate the situation from the start. More information. You get yeah. more information. You're, you're oh. less de- detached from your current situation. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to ask is, especially like, because like I have, you know, I bought a house now, I have like, you know, people have to, I have to protect out. Yeah. Thank you very much. And people that I have to protect now, are there any, if you had to recommend some safety, um, I guess, um, protectional weapons or maybe like a knife or something like that, obviously well, depends on I who. I would say is go, go to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu school, find a really good school because Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is great. It's a great mm-hmm. martial art. Although, that does not mean that in a confrontation you should go to the ground. That's the right. last place you want to be. Right. But uh, you need to know how to defend yourself on the ground. You need to know how to not get taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, or you need to know how to take someone down and also not stay on the ground. The ground is not a good place to be in personal protection. It's a bad mm. place to be. But you need to know how to deal with it. Uh-huh. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is awesome. The, you should know the laws of your specific, well, say in the U.S., so you should know the laws of your specific state. Yeah. Although in New York City, um, I don't know what the laws is now, but it should be this similar that um, technically it's legal for you to carry a knife that's four inches or lower by federal law. Mm-hmm. However, in, for example, like New York City, there's a policy. I can't remember the, is it the broken window policy? I can't remember the, um, I think that's what it's called where they believe that if you deter minor crime, it could deter major crime. Mm-hmm. So, um, you're, so for example, you can't carry a knife in transit. So on the bus or in the train station, they'll find you if they see it, but that's only if they see it. But I would suggest uh, getting police grade mace. Mace. Um, police grade mace. Um, and that's a spray, mace. right? It's like a spray. Yeah. Okay. It's a spray for the visual, gotcha. visual, res- visual and respiratory, but you should also learn how to use it. You should practice use it because if the wind is blowing a certain way, put <laughs> on yourself. Blowing, yes, on your face, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> I would suggest clearing blunt objects, like for exa- example, that water know, bottle. I I think this is so smart. That's so smart. I carry. No one can say anything to me. I carry a solid metal canteen. You mm. know, I mean, you're hydrating. Also, also, I just think it's ridiculous to pay for water. Yeah. Uh, I think it's outrageous that we pay for water. Uh, I but, agree there. Um, so I carry stuff like that. You uh, Certain things on your keys, sharp things on your keys. Mm. 
small blunt objects like a short stick. Yeah. You know, what, what are you going to do? Confiscate it from you? Okay, you just get another piece of stick. Depending on your state, knives or a knife. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a knife is a great tool outside of personal protection. Um, but if you know how to swing a knife a little bit, it's a, almost an automatic equalizer. It's a devastating thing. Mm. Learning how to use bladed objects is devastating. Blunt objects too, but bladed is devastating. Um, I don't care who you are, you know, you got a couple of months of, uh, of some scream or Ernie's training and proper knife. Mm-hmm. knife training, it's a deadly thing. Right. Super deadly. Learning how to run, how to uh, sprint is a very helpful thing. Right. Um, I trained this woman. She was like an LA girl. And she even came to training with high heels. And I said to her, and I, I don't know if she took it offensive, but I was like, you know, she was telling me, you know, I, I live in lower Manhattan and I also travel into LA and, you know, I feel a certain way at night, and especially now with, with COVID and, and, and how the crime rates have gone. And this was when the rioting was happening. Mm. Uh, and, and I was like, do you, do you wear those heels? I was like, so how, how are you going to run away? And she was like, yeah, I, I think I could, I could take it off and put my sneak. I was like, that takes time to do that. And you're stressed out in a stressful situation. So I was like, I'm not saying you shouldn't wear heels, although I think it's ridiculous. Heels are ridiculous. It's very bad for their skeletal structure and yeah. hypertensis their calves for no reason. I don't think I said that because I was trying to be more tactful than that. Yeah. But I did say that maybe consider when you're going home, especially if it's later in the day. Yeah. Even if it's not night, but it's later in the day, maybe consider just put your sneaker on to go home. Yeah. I think you'll be fine putting your sneaker on to go home. So just stuff like that, not wearing stuff. Um, that like prohibits you or put you in a bad situation yeah, like that. Correct, yeah, correct. And, I, and heels is one of the best things I, I, I can say. Granted, I lived in quite a bad neighborhood, but even if I would go shopping, I would like cover the bag. I'm not saying you need to do that. Logo of what the bag is from and just have like a plain bag that's not distinguishable. I'm not right, saying right. you do that. I'm saying, once again, I'm, I was in a pretty bad scenario at a, sp- a specific time period. Mm-hmm. No, but, but I think I, that's I, super good advice, though, because that's just like situational awareness and not making yourself a target, a potential right. target, like the yeah, headphones, you know, if, for if example. If you have certain yeah. jewelry and you notice certain things are going on, I mean, I don't wear jewelry, especially if you live in a city or um, you're going to a populated area. Mm. Right now, depending on where you are, many of the cops are defending. Yeah. It's really hard to do their job and they don't want to put themselves in, for example, in New York City, an uh, individual law- cop can be sued. Before yeah. you before you would sue the um, department and the state, but now you can sue the individual officer. That is crazy. That's so mind that blowing. That means petty crime has gone up. Yeah. Which means other crime, organized crime, will go up. Right. So right now, um, because of COVID and also people losing jobs, losing houses, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not telling people to be paranoid once again. I'm just saying be aware. Yeah. You know there there tells in your environment if you're paying attention. That feeling, if you ever got that feeling when you're scared or confused or in your stomach, you know, when you say you got the butterflies in your stomach, that mm. is part of our evolutionary makeup to tell us yeah. danger may be around. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's true. But if you get in that feeling in your stomach, uh, then it's, it's time to kind of pay attention because you're, you're getting that feeling for a reason. Right. Doesn't mean it's true. You could be, you, you, you could be, your sensory information could be interpreting the environment wrong, but that's part of our instincts and you should listen to it to some degree, at least to be alert, listen to it, to be alert mm-hmm. as a warning to say, Hey, I should be alert right now. So as a segue, talking about law enforcement, I know you had not just personal clientele, but you were helping in training of law enforcement as well. And I'm wondering what that process was like, how, how you got into that and what kind of practices you were helping them with. Um, so I was helping my head instructor and some of the other instructors, um, teach sometimes whole precincts. Uh, and we had, because of the nature of our system being focused on personal protection, mm. we had a lot of military servicemen and women, law enforcement, FBI. I learned how to shoot firearm from FBI instructor mm. and handle fire. Oh, here, here's a, a nice statistic. He was telling me when we, when he was training me in, uh, gun safety protocol. He said, like, over 75% of law enforcement don't use proper gun safety tactics. That's from the time they pick their firearm to put it in their holster, to put it on their person, uh, et cetera. They don't wow. check in the barrel if it's a Glock. They don't check in the barrel to see if there's a bullet in the chamber. 
checking their magazine, checking if their safety's on, putting their finger on the trigger while they're handling their gun, <sighs> pointing it, uh, shooting themselves in the leg, all sorts of stuff, not getting enough range training, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was, I was pretty, it was very disgusting when I, um, when he told me about that proper stance, handling the firearm, understanding that I got proper training in them. I'm not even a fan of firearms, but because it's what I teach and train in, I had to learn how to use firearms. Just like those basic trainings, the the regular law enforcement personnel were not uh, adequate or it just wasn't there. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's up to them individually to get, that's what I also learned from teaching law enforcement, that they can right? individually. And there was some, we did work with a whole precinct too, a couple of precincts, but mm-hmm. it was the individual cops came uh, individually to get training mm-hmm. and said to us that they're training and, and also just seeing from training uh, whole precincts and how bad some of their training was. In fact, right. put them in harm's way. Like one of the training they used to be taught, don't know if they still taught this, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. They taught to put both hands to press down onto their firearm into their holster. <clears throat> but what's stopping me from punching in the face and taking a firearm anyway? Right. So just just stuff like that, basic, uh, really bad training, and, I, and which led me to understand why, in many cases, where the cops were just shooting so many times and uh, at one person or et cetera, because they're training so damn bad. Yeah. And if I, if I was the, and and the stuff that they had, you know, cops there, um, in many cases, it's very not so stressful and then bam they get put into this extremely life-threatening just dreadful situation mm-hmm. or or gradients of that um and i don't know if these people have good mental health recovery counseling and all because right why is it any different from uh post-traumatic stress uh, stress syndrome right you know, from having going into these uh scenarios and the inadequate um physical health requirement <laughs> yeah you know oh, oh Oh, it's just a recipe and policing and many law enforcement don't necessarily know the law. Mm-hmm. It's a recipe for disaster. Um, so what were the primary things? Was it self-defense or de-escalating or emotional intelligence? What were you training these law enforcement to do? All, all of the above, you know, all learning above. not to do these things that they were taught in the academy that literally put them in harm's way. Yeah. Understanding to them, making it clear to them that they have a utility belt. They got yeah. knives, they got flashlights, they got tasers, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. they go out immediately to their firearm because they're training so bad. Like, I need to go to the greater force multiplier. Yeah. Which I don't blame some of them. Yeah. And also, they're being put in certain neighborhoods that, you know, there's not their neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and many of the places, the people that are, are rough and and rude you know that they're, they're they don't give a damn about the cops they don't they, they and with that said i'm sure there are many uh some cops that don't give a damn about the um the citizens either yep but i mean it's just bad training um bad policy is a recipe for disaster i feel very very um very sad for people that are, who's who's who want to be a police right now who's <sighs> I, I really, that's, I think that's, that's a really hot topic now. And I, I don't like to get too political. But, I don't but, either. Yeah, but I 100% agree. Um, that, that, and there's a lot of podcasts out there, the former policewomen or just law enforcement people saying there's not like mandatory training. There's not enough training. And the people who really need it the most, if uh, in my opinion, are the police. I mean, they're in a hostile environment. So they always life, need possible to. life. Every time they stop a car, yeah. they don't know. Every time they tell them, they listen. Put your hands where I can see them. Exactly. Every time, every time they make a stop, every time they stop on the street, they don't know. Yeah. And th- this is actually the point. See, in personal protection, you should think like that. You yeah. don't know what, you don't know the psychological state of this person. You don't know what they're carrying. Exactly. You exactly. don't know their intention. Yeah. So your best self-defense is avoid these situations. Don't go to certain places. Or if you're ready there, take yourself out of harm's way. Yeah. Let me give you a quick example. I was training, teaching at the dojo <clears throat> and we were doing our kids class, which I wish I had a kids class like this because once we start showing them certain things, we, we have them put full armor on and go full contact. Anything goes with each other. They can mm-hmm. punch anywhere, kick anywhere, strike anywhere, elbow anywhere because they have full gear on and they're young so they can't hit that hard. Yeah. But they also have full protection on. Right. 
Oh no, hit to the the, the midsection only. No, kick them in the face if you can. Yeah. Hit palm the face, elbow, pull them to the ground, stomp on the we had the teach them all of that. Yeah. Eye gouging, etc. So anyhow, um we had scenario where we're we're in that fist suit that I mentioned to you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the big suit. Yep. And we're teaching them um drills if someone grabs them with two hands, pulls them in or drives them back or hugs them and picks them up mm-hmm. and <clears throat> they were doing they were striking the eyes kicking to the groin knee but they weren't that greatly enthusiastic so i had them yell no stop and help while they did this and they're like no stop help and we had the door open and it's a, it, at that dojo it's a, a storefront so it's on the bottom floor on the street level we had like several law enforcement come in the dojo and i was like what's going on here and i stopped the class to explain to the class and the law enforcement at the same time mm-hmm. see i don't know i said to the class, i don't know these law enforcement do you know why they came in because they heard you yelling no stop and help while you're defending yourself you're letting other people in your environment know that something is wrong so at that moment i taught the class about that they saw it worked because this was not planned and the law enforcement was like, oh, wow, this is great. Yeah. You know, and we also didn't get in trouble, you know, et cetera. And they're like, oh, this is great. You know, and then they, they, they got some interest in our school and, and et cetera. Wow. So um, these are the kind of things <clears throat> that have to be considered when you're dealing with personal protection. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how much ass you can kick. You know, there's always <laughs> going to be someone that's bigger, tougher, Absolutely. Cetera, knows more than you. You know, you have to put yourself in a place where you can either shut the threat down by any means necessary to get home to your loved ones yep. and your family and friends or take yourself out of harm's way or don't put yourself in a harm's way. Mm-hmm. Even if you cursed at the person and said, you know, what? listen, I had a bad day. I'm so sorry. You know, have a good day. Even yeah. just say, Fuck you. Yeah. Okay, man. I'm sorry. Take care. Just keep moving. Yeah. <clears throat> because the longer you stay there, the chance, the odds just keep going up and up and up that something's going to happen. Absolutely. People they're just going to record it. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. In Brooklyn, this is this is before the pandemic, just so it was like 2018, 2019. <clears throat> I lived in Brooklyn again for, I don't know, like a year or a little bit more than a year. Um, and around Utica and, and uh, Crown Heights, I think that's called Crown Heights, yeah. And I was walking from the train station, walking home. And like you see in many of the videos, teenage fights group, you know, two teenagers uh, start to fight in like a, a group of them. And then they're, and some are recording it. Yeah, world star. So, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, even, I think I even heard one of you. <laughs> so I'm walking past this and I'm like, I am certainly, here's another thing. With all the damn training I suppose I, I have, I am not engaging. I'm not putting myself in harm's way. Yeah. As I as I'm, I I see it from the very beginning, I call the cops immediately. They get paid for this. I don't get paid for um, you. Know, I don't know if these kids got blades or what. And then what the police ask you when you call is, do did you see any weapons? And what I always say because I did it I did it three times when I was living there. I said I didn't see any, but I think they might have. Yeah. Because if you say that, they might come faster. So I was like, I didn't see any now, but I think they might have the way they're behaving. Right. Right they'll come faster. And they, and that time they did come fast and broke it up because you don't want these kids fighting, getting maimed and hurt. Absolutely. While these other ignoramuses all watch it and cheer on and, and, and edge them on. This is, this is, un, this is, this is savage. Yeah. It's uncivilized. Yep. Another time, the same area, but like a block away, I saw it was a Chinese restaurant and I don't know what happened, but I, I think I, I'm going to say the black kids um, just to give this profile of the scenario, I think they were eating there and they may have not paid because I think that was the scenario. And they tried to, I think they tried to dine and dash. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they tried to do. I think they were trying to leave and the, and the employees who were Asian was trying to stop them from leaving. And then I think one of them, one of the teenagers punched the employee in the face. And then, then it was the, the employees came out with, with, with brooms and chairs and then I'm like walking past, I'm like walking, this is the same block I'm walking into. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, let me see, this is training. Instead of walking through this melee, this because now <laughs> it's a full-on melee. The, 
the employees have chairs and sticks and brooms and the other ones i didn't see any weapons on them but i think but it was all a scuffle of punches and right so i walk in the street because i'm not walking through that right i walk and i walk in the street and as i'm walking i call the cops because that's what you should do that's what they get paid for i don't get paid for that yeah i'm not saying that you shouldn't be a good samaritan or you shouldn't engage him but you got to worry about your safety first before you can help someone else oh absolutely and i'll give you an example of that this guy um that came to us that was training with us he saw this man and woman having an argument long story short they start yelling at each other very loudly and the guy grabs the woman's head and rakes it across a fence and he's like oh shit so he goes to help the woman pulls the guy off and then starts yelling at the guy, don't do that. And then getting almost getting to scuff with the guy. And then he hears, no. Boom. The woman picks something up and bashes him across the head. What? And now he he falls on the floor. And now they're both kicking, kicking him on the floor. So I'm not saying that's how all situations are going to end. Be mindful of what you choose to engage in. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't help him because that's that's not what I'm saying at all. Be mindful. Because imagine that. You, you're going to help this woman get her face raked across a fence. And next thing you know, she's behind. she comes behind you and hits you with a bottle across the back of your head. And he showed us the scar on the back of his head. Man. But also, yeah. by calling the cops, you're helping that situation get the way it's supposed to get taken care of. Yeah, you can't. So, you don't have, we don't have the training and the, the resources to, de- to shut that situation down. For everyone, as much Absolutely. as possible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you have to pick and choose your battles. Um, mm-hmm. And understand, like that, I said, that drunk guy that I grew up said, you can't argue with a crazy person. Yeah. So, you know, when people are in a certain state, there might not be much reasoning with them. So if you can try to change that state, like try to calm them down if possible. I've done mm-hmm. that many times. I have calmed people down many times. Yeah, like I, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gladly. Many, many times. Especially yeah. when I was club promoting because I'm a, I'm a smaller guy compared to other big, large people. Right. Um, and um, also just not adding to the fire and, and yeah. getting out of there. Not getting mm-hmm. tunnel vision and getting your ego caught. That's a great segue to what we haven't been talking about as much. We've been talking about a lot of physical situations, obviously being situationally aware and all those things. But through your training through martial arts, I'm sure you learned a lot about emotional intelligence, something that we talked about even off the air and how important it is, especially nowadays. What are some key emotional intelligence, whether it's tips or tricks or just key lessons you learned that you think it has been so foundational in your life and something that you really true hold true to your life. So the de-escalation, like the, the verbal, uh, we call it the verbal jitsu. Mm-hmm. The the de- uh, learning how to try to calm people down, like a um, a hostage negotiator kind of. Right, right. You know, and practicing it and acting it out. You know, mm-hmm. that's a good example. And I think I don't know if I mentioned to you, like I, yeah, I did, I did say earlier that the people that you can practice this, this on. Uh, how to build your emotional intelligence or master of your emotion is on your close family member or friend. Yeah, you did. Yeah, they, yeah. they know things about you and, and, and they, 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 they know how to try to push your buttons. And if you can learn to identify when you, when you start to get riled up, because I don't actually think we actually have control of our emotions. We just deal with it after, after we feel. It. Mm-hmm. So we're just, we're just like in a wave that we, we are in the wave, but we're not, we don't, consciously in many cases um start the wave. we're just in the wave and now we're trying to survive in the wave i, I can give a good example of that a very personal example of when my son was born <clears throat> yeah that story is that the story that you were referencing with yeah. yeah yeah okay perfect perfect so i think we were at a student hospital i'm not 100 percent sure i mean it's a student hospital where it's a learning hospital where they, they still have a doctor there right right they have residents and I guess that's it. It's a doctor and the residents. So, but anyhow, <clears throat> uh, my wife was complaining about one of the residents, um, a, a male resident, and it was just just being rude and not answering her questions and et cetera. And you know, some doc- people are like that. You know, everyone in their discipline doesn't have to be good. Yeah. You know. So anyhow, but the re- but the head doctor was great, um, and the and the other resident was great too. 
so we're, we're, we're at the delivery uh, part and um, I think my wife was in labor for a couple of hours until they realized like this is not working. They wanted to do a C-section because there's no other option. So the, the bed was a very nice bed that converted into, it was a bed that you stay in and converted into a mobile uh, uh, unit, mm-hmm. which was quite interesting. They could take off part of it. So they have the part where they have, my wife's legs are on top of the, the leg rest to keep her legs open for the birth. Right. So now they're taking that off. So I'm there because I'm helping with the birth. I'm holding her leg up and et cetera, and then going through the whole thing with that. Anyhow, and the, they, they call that guy that my wife saw before, that resident that wasn't very good, good to her mm. in terms of being helpful and being a good doctor of any kind. And they asked him to pull off the bottom of that bed. And he just yanks the fucking bed, the bottom of the bed off. And I see my wife grimace. Oof. And then pushes the thing in and pretty, pretty violently, aggressively. Mm. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, should I hurt this guy? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that was my first thought. I was like, absolutely. Should I hurt this guy? Can I get away with it? You know, I'm just looking at this guy. I was like, should I say something to this guy? But then it was so fast because it was like, do you want to come in the operating room while we do the C-section? So, and they were like, I was like, sure. And so they were hurrying me up. So I was like, I'll just file that in my head, mm-hmm. combined with what my wife said before about him not being helpful and being a bit rude. And now, you know, I'm rushing to, for them to prep me to go into the um, emergency, the uh, surgery room, which I thought was fascinating because I've never been in a room where they did surgery. So it was just so interesting to see all these machine and wires hanging and curly, giant curly wire and giant extension cords and Mm -hmm. giant armed machine arms and screens and all this kind of stuff. So I was, I'm fascinated by not us, how things work and things of that nature. So I was just saying, you know, I'm I'm about to have a son. Interesting. And, and combined with I'm, I'm in the opera. I got the the stuff on. I got the the mask and the the, the things. Yeah. Um, the sterilizing, all that sterilizing stuff. Right. So, and then they, they plop me down by my wife's head and then her bottom half, or I should say from her half midsection to bottom half is mm-hmm. blocked off with a, with a, with like a tent, a big tent. Right. Right. I can just get up and look around. I, I could get up and look, look if I wanted to. Yeah. So you don't do that. Yeah. You, know, you don't interfere with it. Sort of getting up. So I was told, stay here. Don't move from here. Right. And I saw the anesthesiologist behind me, another head anesthesiologist. And then the head doctor, who was very nice and very helpful and very competent. And then that guy, that resident, and then the female resident. So now, you know, they're cutting her open, et cetera. And she's feeling a lot of pressure. And she's on the anesthesia, so she, she's awake, though. Mm. So she can, she can feel. So I don't think you'll feel pain, but you'll feel a lot of pressure. So that, that's normal. So, but then she's like grimacing a lot and I'm like looking up, I'm like, what was, I mean, I don't know what it's, I'm not, I'm, I'm a layman person. I don't know what a surgery is supposed to look like, right. especially this type of surgery. It's a serious surgery. C-section is a serious surgery. And the head doctor says to that guy, that resident, um, what you're doing, cause I'm right there. I, I'm next to them. I could see their heads and their shoulders and the top of their arms, but I can't see what they're doing exactly. Right. And the head doctor said, what you're doing is making the patient uncomfortable. And the guy said, don't worry about it. They all scream. It's okay. And I got red with anger. Oh, God. I'm fuck this guy up as soon as I get the chance. Like, I can't do it now because they're doing surgery. But I was just like, as soon as we get out of this, I'm going to kill this guy. I was like, I could not believe this guy just said that. And then the head doctor said again to him, you know, what you're doing. And he kind of just brushed her off and kept doing it. And my wife is like menacing. At a certain point, enough pressure could be equated to pain. Right. So I'm boiling. No one notices because I'm keeping calm because of my training. If it wasn't for my training, I would have killed that guy. Imagine your wife is on the table. You're about to have a child. And this guy says, some, says oh, don't worry about it. They all scream. It's okay. And, and also he's talking to his superior. That's a head doctor. He's a resident. That's un, that's so unprofessional for one. And I would have probably said something. that kind of comment. I would have definitely said something. But yes, the, the emotional intelligence. Man. My emotional intelligence, I was like, I'm not going to interfere with interfere with a, uh, a serious surgery. Yeah, it's a serious my surgery wife, going on. Yeah, this is my wife's life here. I, I'm going to I'm going to bite my 
man, I was boiling red. Yeah. Boiling red. If, if I didn't, if it wasn't for my master of emotional training, that kind of stuff, I would have yeah. killed that guy. Right, right, right. Have something sharp and sliced because I don't argue with people. I, I want to shut the thread down. That's right. Either right. super peaceful or super violent. Shortly after this, 15 minutes, the baby pops out. So I'm looking at them cleaning the baby, cleaning the, his, his orifices out. Mm. So now I'm emotional from seeing my son for the first time. Wow. On the right hand side while I'm still sitting there. And I was like, because oh. it, it kind of hits you like, oh, wow, I really got a son. It's, it's really here. I mean, you know, the person's pregnant, but the, the, the child comes out and you're like, whoa, it's, damn, I'm a daddy. Oh, man, what did I do? You know, and then I'm like, oh, I'm trying to see the baby because I was like, oh, that's, that's part of me. And I'm still so emotionally riled up from, I heard the guy. I'm not, a, I didn't, it wasn't an auditory uh, hallucination. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw the head doctor saying said to him more than twice. And then once they a few minutes pass, several minutes pass, they 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 clean the um cleaning up the baby, and then they come back around and plop the baby in my Your arms while I'm yeah. sitting down, and I'm furious at the shit that I just heard this asshole say. Furious. So now I'm looking at my baby. So I have the emotions. I'm crying a little bit. I have the emotions of seeing my son for first and being furious at wanting to hurt this guy yeah so once again master no one noticed see i was so so kept it inside that no one noticed plus right. they're doing the stuff they're doing in the surgery and i'm looking at my baby and i'm and i'm trying to forget about what just happened for now so I, i'm trying i don't want to talk because I, I i've been like holding this rage and you're just biting your tongue yeah yeah i've been holding this rage and so they find i was like yeah sure and they took a picture, and then I gave the, the baby back. And then now the baby's gone. Now they're finishing, finishing up the surgery. And I'm like, man, what should I do? How should I kill this guy? How can I get away with it? Yeah. You know, I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this, this, this guy, this guy deserves to pay for this. How the hell you, what kind of unethical is this? Is the first thing in medical school? Do no harm. Exactly. Yes, yes, it's a rough surgery. I'm not saying, but he, the, the head doctor said something. I'm not imagining this. Yeah. So, finally it's finally over and then they they take me and take me out of the room <clears throat> and put me in the waiting area i think it's called the standing waiting area mm -hmm. after the surgery so now I'm, I'm still trying to calm myself down trying to find that guy no i was mostly just trying to keep keep yeah, keep yeah. Pain. i was yeah. just calm down i was like calm down man just calm you can't do anything right like this way you yeah. gotta do it legally do it legally uh so my wife comes they finally wheeled my wife in and she's all distraught because it's a very violent surgery is violent especially yes takes a lot out of you yeah. <clears throat> especially the way that guy was behaving yeah <clears throat> a psych sociopathic yeah so I, I, I was trying to think should i tell my wife what happened or should i wait until her later but i was so boiled up i gotta tell somebody so i waited till she was uh, I, I fed her some liquid because that's all you can have and then after that, I told her what happened. And she says, I knew this guy was being. And then he came in to say congratulations. And I looked at this guy like a fucking tiger. And I said to myself, I can't talk to this guy because I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to fuck him up. Yeah. And so I ignored him. And then he says, congratulations again. And I looked at ignored. my wife, looked at my phone and ignored him. And he, and I saw, and he looked, he looked perplexed and then he, yeah. he walked away. And, and I was like, that guy is not um, having anything to do with us again. And I'm going to report his ass mm -hmm. later on. I guess he was assigned to check her bandages and he came into the room that we were in. And plus I stayed over, I stayed over at the hospital. The hospital allowed you to stay, your, your spouse to stay over. And, um, he came in to check the bandages and, um, and he came and said, he tried to speak to me and I fully ignored him because I was like, I'm not talking to this guy. Yeah. I'm not even going to explain what happened. I'm just going to element of surprise. Another 10 commandments, <laughs> the element of surprise. <laughs> so, so I'm like, this guy's murder. <laughs> so anyhow, I try to calm myself down that he came in quickly, uh, asked about her bandages and left quickly. And then we said to the nurse, we don't want that guy to uh, have anything to do with pregnancy. And then it became a whole thing. The director of the hospital and I told them what happened. I uh, told the head doctor. The head doctor, she pretended like she didn't understand what I was doing. She's like, oh, you know, it's a surgery. There's a lot going on. I don't yeah. quite remember that. 
because you know the, those residents are under her um her insurance her guidance yeah 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 well her guidance and also under her insurance but i reported him to that hospital um to the director of the hospital uh uh, but yeah, that that if I didn't have mastery emotions, I would have mm. saw red like a bull and just went after the guy. So I think that's a super good example. And that's if there's <clears throat> any situation that's emotionally charged, I think that would be it. You're about to have your first son, your wife is in a vulnerable situation and C-section uncertainty. And that guy does that. I mean, I can't imagine what I have done in that shoes. Um, but but I think we, we, we think a lot of it, we, or we take a, a action emotionally charged and it never is good. And it's a lot of it is ego based. It's like, well, this person does this to me or how, how dare they? And then it's just, you know, kind of a battle going on from there. But, and I think you brought up a super good example of, of this kind of wave. Emotion is kind of a wave. And, you know, sometimes when we go to the beach uh, to avoid the way we kind of dip under the water, and then there's nothing, it just goes over us. And I thought that was a super good example that you used. Um, a lot of times in those confrontational ways, almost like de-escalation, if you're able to kind of get over that, getting under the wave, it, you're able to go over it and, and yeah, avoid and that and situation. And the saying, calm down, listen, I don't have a problem, is also to help you calm down. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're, you're, you know, you know, use your intelligence, you know, yeah. what makes us different from the other animals, you know. You, you use your intelligence problem solve. Yeah. When, when you're in a stressful situation, instead of being sorrowful, oh, who's me? I'm in such a bad... This is problem solving time. Exactly. Don't forget. Don't think that you're in such a civilization. You know, yeah, civilization only goes so far. Yeah. You know, we're not... In some ways, we're quite civilized compared to our ancestors, but in some ways, we're not. Yeah, and I think emotion is... It, it will, it will always be there. It's not like we're never non-emotional. We're always feeling something, something like that. But what I think I see the difference of when they are able to understand emotional intelligence is taking a step back and realizing what you're feeling or what it could happen and things like that. And being able to say, oh, I'm feeling agitated. I'm feeling angry. So what do I need to do? Oh, let's take a step back and let's kind of process it, break it down and kind of deconstruct it from there. Exactly. And also, this is not me or you saying that you shouldn't have these emotions. Oh, or not that you should try to deny them. Mm-mm. I'm not even saying repress them. I'm yeah. saying understand that you are feeling this, but yeah. don't allow it to fully control your cognitive processing. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Absolutely. And I second that. And I'll always, I'll always uh, say, you know, you, no one can tell you how to feel. That's always up to you. And what you do, the actions you do based on that is 100% up to you. So no matter what a person says to you or it calls you name, you can interpret however that you want it to be. You know, I think you, we always have the power to do that. I, I give you a funny example. A, a, roommate, a roommate of mine, there used to be a roommate of mine a long time ago. When I was in college, plus we, we worked at, together at Pace. Mm-hmm. And we were roommates. Very nice guy. He was a Russian guy. Uh, um, and... He said one time he was crossing the street and this, and I think he still had the right away, but the white light was changing. And this one was like, ding, 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 beeping him. And, you know, normally people will say, hey, fuck you. And yeah. Like, oh, fuck you too. Yeah. You know? But what he did was he blew a kiss at her. He said, <laughs> really? And, and he said, she was so freaked out. She turned, looked away and he calmly crossed the street. She didn't look at him again. She didn't beep a horn. She was so mm. freaked out that he blew a kiss at her. You know, <laughs> he did what she didn't expect. You know, she yeah. for him to to curse at her or or, or give some kind of um, negative uh, rebuttal, like the middle finger or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you, I, I'm not saying it's easy. Not but, at all. But not allowing others to fully dictate how you behave—that's freedom, man. That is freedom. Yes, absolutely. That is freedom. You know. You, I, I think having control of your faculty, some a little bit of discipline, that's that's freedom, man. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think people don't people don't correlate that to people say, oh, discipline is freedom. What? What are you talking about? No, well, no, no. Because because we have we have this this I mean we have all these 
we're not in full, we're barely in control, man. Well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. But we have so many, we have so many faculties that are going on in our body, our minds that are, we we do not consciously orient, uh, originate them. We're just Absolutely. reacting to them. Absolutely. Uh, and we have a whole bunch of evolutionary uh, uh, impulses that were very helpful at certain point in time, like jealousy. You know, yeah. that, that's that's a helping for um. Uh, making sure you pass your genes not other and stopping other people from passing their genes yeah uh so you know we have a whole bunch of these um there was a there's a let, let me find it really really quick there's a, a guy that stated it's so perfect um there it is he said the problem of humanity is we have uh paleolithic emotions middle medieval institutions mm. and godlike tech Tristan oh, Harris wow says very interesting I'm going to repeat it again, that the problem of humanity is that we have paleolithic emotions, mm-hmm. medieval institutions, and godlike tech, mm-hmm. Tristan Harris. Uh, and I was like, man, that's, yes, yeah, we have those those um, emotions that we got from uh, earlier evolution in human or humanoid history. Uh, and we have institutions that are quite old uh, yep. and re- revamping or... Uh, and then we have technology. That's far beyond us. Yeah. None of human history, as far as we know, has ever had. So you got, yeah. you, got you got babies playing with um, <laughs> the highly sophisticated technology that they don't understand. But you yeah, know, you know that's it, super. That's such a good quote. Yeah, it, it was. I, I wrote it down. I have like a list of quotes, and when I because because I'm going to forget, you know, there's too much information now. So yeah. When, when I hear stuff like that, I was like, man, that's that's, that's a damn profound uh, statement there. It's unparalleled how much we need it in our society because we continue to move forward with technology, especially with social media. Anyone can say anything, stay anonymous. Exactly. We're still in that paleoithic emotional state. We don't know how to react to these things in a correct manner. Or And, and um, I remember seeing a podcast uh, uh, about, I don't remember the gentleman's name right now, but he went to school with some with the founder of Instagram and a couple of other um, tech moguls, and he said he remembered taking a class that he never heard of prior to that time, psychology and technology or, or, oh. or something of this nature, teaching how to influence people's psychological behavior with technology. Yeah. yeah. Uh, eyes on screen, uh, like button, you know, uh, all these these things that in, incentivizing like a slot machine. Mm-hmm. staring at the slot machine incentivize certain but I, I remember them talking about facebook for example where facebook collects so much data that it, it, it can estimate your your emotional disposition or psychological disposition like for instance if this is a likely scenario time where you're depressed or etc and sell you gambling or alcohol or, that's crazy things of that they target you when they've estimated when you are in a certain psychological disposition you know we need to know things like this see this is a self-defense we use these medias i i try not i, I use these medias because they're great in yeah. one way absolutely um but nothing is free yeah so I, i've listened to quite a few podcasts about the architecture of these algorithms and intentional and unintentional consequences of these technologies you know like for instance if you're communicating, this is why I don't get into argument with people on social media, because I understand this is not how human beings have uh, communicated. It's hard to communicate in general. Yeah. So now you're taking away the physical, the uh, audio cues, right? The physical cues of being one-on-one, having, trying to have a deep conversation, right. and you're doing it in text forms and a certain amount of characters. This nope. is not a proper way to have a conversation. That's not communication. Yeah. No, it's not communication. Yeah. So and but people think it is. So you know yeah. you have, you you have. So I, I I once I understood that these things are controversy sells. Mm-hmm. You know, once I understand that this, yeah, I I looked at social media very differently. I was like, this is a, a medium to network with people and to publicize my interest in what I do, mm-hmm. and to get education from other people who make great content. There's so many people that make wonderful content out there, not yeah. just showing their body parts. <laughs> getting tons of views and likes because it's just showing about or doing something super silly and i'm not i'm not knocking the, i mean enter it's entertainment it's fine i'm not i'm not saying that you shouldn't do it and i'm not knocking especially if they're making tons of money from go exactly exactly i'm just saying 
that you know at the end of the day we want to kind of choose what what we stuff in this head yeah you know and because we wonder we you know why behaving or why why is things going so wrong but well maybe because this is the content you stuff in your head all the time you know yeah. it's because you see like if you see some narrative let's say on social media this is the most thing that's happening of this thing yeah be true this might be a small percentage of what's actually happening and just you're just seeing it on video exactly and it's egregious so um, we really have to protect ourselves from um these technologies you know same thing in like in personally in personal protection you know you 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 try not to allow people to control your 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 full thinking or yeah. just allow you to to blindly react emotionally there, i think tony robbins's mentor um jim Brown said you have to be the gatekeepers of your mind and i think that's very true the information that you, you awesome. bring in you know you got to vet it see if it's good for you if it's not good for you how's it going to affect me you know how's it going to affect the emotions that i portray kick it out or you know if it's good get it into my head and, and you know save it, it you know use it and share it as well um but i always like to end the um, podcast on, on something positive something fun so have you, I know we talked to offline and hey, you have some interest with hunting. Have you had movement in terms of their uh, hunting trip or what are you going to be doing? Not, not yet because I, 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 uh, we moved into the Netherlands in July. We still got to get other stuff situated. Mm -hmm. So uh, after that, um, I definitely want to um, figure out how I can do that. It seems like you have to join a hunting club because yeah, uh, the Netherlands, just like many other places in Europe, they're very anti-gun firearms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, like in the Netherlands, I don't think I don't think the regular law enforcement carries firearms. Mm, I got gotcha. you. I think the SWAT or these special teams carry firearms, but I don't. I don't think the regular law enforcement carry. Firearms. Seems like so far yeah. from the little research that I've done, just from asking the um, residents here. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what they've all pointed to. That that's the only place they know that you can. Uh, so once again, I'm not even. I'm not. I'm not a fan of firearms. Yeah, but for hunting reasons, yeah. But I want to learn. I want to learn this stuff. I want to learn. Yeah. Maybe I can pass it on to my son at some point. You know, absolutely. Learn how to, you know, hunt an animal, uh, skin the animal, how to prepare the animal so that the, the organs don't damage the other meat. You know, I mean, you eat yeah. meat. Yeah. Well, what more ethical way than to get hunt your own meat? Absolutely, I hundred percent agree. I don't, I don't think you can get more ethical than that if you eat meat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially if you do the due diligence to, you know, track it, hunt it, respect it and shoot it and yeah, gut it the right way. You know where your meat came from. Exactly. Exactly. And an invaluable skill as well. And one other question what I wanted to ask is because you're so well thought out, critical thinking, always questioning, making sure you understand and how to, why is it the way it is? If you can talk to one person dead or alive, who would it be? And what are three questions you would ask them? The only person that pops to my head right now is Christopher Hitchens. I've listened to a lot of his lectures and his debates, injustices that were done in religion, particularly mm. in Abrahamic religions. And he was extremely well-educated and elo eloquent um, human being. I wouldn't mind just speaking to him. Yeah, yeah what I would ask him, I'm, I'm not sure, but just picking his brain about his experience because he, I think he, he went to North Korea. He's uh, one of the, the only journalists that went to North Korea. One of the Korea. few, yeah been he's been to a lot of places around the world where there uh violence and oppression of women in some cases still going on now absolutely uh, and, and he spoke up uh you know one of the statements i remember him saying is that um what better thing could be than empowering more than half your your population women more yeah. than half the population you know he's imagine empowering women you know if you want a, a better society empower women yeah They're more than half the population yeah uh, he said it way more eloquent and uh and and that's just having his, his ability to speak he was an unbelievably eloquent and well-educated human being academically educated i mean worldly that's the person that comes to my mind for some reason even though i haven't been i didn't think about him in a while um warren man i just want to give this time to thank you for coming on and just sharing your experience uh especially your childhood there's so much a lot of stuff going on and you're able to share a lot. So I want to thank you for that and, and your expertise. Uh, I think I myself uh, selfishly learned a lot, um, but I'm sure the listeners, especially post pandemic, the environment that we live in now, I think we can definitely take away a lot of good tips to keep ourselves visually and mentally uh, sharpened uh, to, to avoid those situations if possible. But I just want to give this time to you on, on how the people can find you work with you and get more of Warren Sinclair. 
Um, I mean, I'm mostly active on Instagram. They can follow me at uh, move, M-O-V, live, L-I-V, tactical on Instagram. And they can contact me there. Awesome. Um, I will make sure I post all your social media accounts and things like that on to attach it to the uh, episode that when it goes out. Uh, but Warren, thank you so much for coming on and um, sharing your invaluable insights. And I uh, can't wait to have you on again. I know. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. You know, when we first started, I was quite sleepy, but uh, I'm <laughs> uh, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. I, I, I mean, I hope some of it is helpful. And uh, uh, and uh, thank you for putting me down memory lane because otherwise I wouldn't really think about this stuff. Thank you for the questions. So very some great questions. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Just trying to do my job. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for listening again, guys. And we'll talk to you on the next one.